0: In honor of uh, Yuttas Kislev, this week, coming up, the 19th of Kislev, the Rosh Hashan of Chassidus. Ah, oh. In honor of the Rosh Hashanah of Khsidas, Yutas Kislev. The day, oh, thank you very much. The day that we got Chabad was given to us, officially, completely. So, I'd like to talk about something a little strange. Or maybe I should say someone a little strange. I'd like to talk a little about myself. It's a very strange thing to talk about. You now, Steinsaltz Seingesund, or Vadin Ervin Yestrel, says that uh, on one end it's not, ni- not nice to talk about myself. But on the other end, what should I do that's a topic that I know a lot about? It's a topic that I know the most about. <clears throat> so, I'd like to share with you, I thought about it for a while. And I decided that I'd like to share with you the process or what made me make, me make the decision to become Chabad, to become a Chabad Chossid. I wasn't born Chabad, was uh, born Orthodox, modern Orthodox, capital case M, lowercase case O. And, um, I went, I was around a little a couple of places, Baruch Hashem, one of the things that God granted me in my life, one of the very big blessings that I had in my life, was that I was Zoika, I merited to spend time, not do time, but spend time in many different streams of Orthodox Judaism. And as of course it's important to say right away that Elu Chaim, there's nothing to talk about, both these and these are the words of the living God. There's supposed to be many different streams in, in Torah Judaism. Kulam Ahuvim, Kulam Berurim, Kulam Kedoshim. They're all holy, they're all beloved by God. And both these and these are the words of the living God. There's some people that have, by the way, a very skewed view of what Jewish unity is supposed to be. You know, people that are kvetching, that, you know, there are all these different customs, and the Ashkenazim, and the Sephardim, and the Chassidim, and Snagdim, and Vishnits and Bells. People, that's, Jewish unity does not mean one size fits all. I mean, Shulchan yeah, Halacha one can't change. But in the different streams within Torah, within the framework of Torah, Torah is not like you know some factory in China that puts out ten billion of exactly the same thing. It's not you know plastic toys. There's supposed to be there's supposed to be multiplicity. There's supposed to be. I mean, if Baskin Robbins could have thirty one flavors, why can't Torah? Right, and you know when the Jews left Egypt, you know it's very interesting. People don't know this. When the Jews left Egypt, right in the beginning, when we got the Torah, when the Jewish people began, there was twelve tribes, and you know the Arizal writes that each one of the tribes had their own nusach fila had their own prayer book, had their own nusach, had their own uh, 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 um, text of davening of prayer. So that means from the very inception of the Jewish people, it was meant that within the umbrella, within the framework of Torah, of halachic Judaism, there's supposed to be different streams. So that's for sure. <clears throat> and I, as I said, I was merited to spend time by a lot of different streams. So I'd like to share with you tonight, in honor of you Islev, I, of course, you know, Baruch Hashem, I chose for myself to be Chabad, became a Chabad Chassid. And so obviously in my life I saw that as being the way that I need to go. I don't think that everyone is supposed to at all become Chabad. That's not definitely not God's plan as I just said. I do think that everyone could benefit very much from ideas of Chabad Chassid. This one has nothing to do with the other. I remember when I, when I was groping my way around. And trying to find myself and find my way. So there were times in my life that I was, you know, I had like different days. Like I had days that I was like Chabad and then I had days that I was into Breslov. And I daven like a breslover And then there was the days I was, you know, Munkach. And, and I, was, uh, I had the derech of uh, different drachim I tried. And, and I felt very, I felt a little um, confused. And I felt also a little insecure that maybe I was not doing the right thing, that I had times like this and times like that. And I remember I was zeichet to have with the amshin of a Rebbe. All the amshin of a Rebbe here in Beit Vagan, in Yerushalayim. I don't know, most people, many people don't realize this schuss that our generation has, that we have a real tzaddik like that, the amshin of a Rebbe among our midst. And I spoke to him for 45 minutes and I happened to have also seen Ruach HaKodesh. I saw open, you know, divine inspiration, which I won't get into here. But one of the questions that I asked him was this question. I asked him, I said, you know, that I have days like this and days like that. I have weeks that I, you know, am Chabad and then weeks i like that, I'm like Breslev and then uh, different things. And he told me that it's okay. That a person, you know, as long as it's within Shulchan Aruch, you know, in our generation, our generation there are so many challenges and there are so many pitfalls that a person has to do whatever one can to be able to come close to Hashem until a person finds his or her way. So But I would like to share with you Both why I chose to be a Chabad Chassid And not just because of me Because I'd like to be able for everyone to understand What Chabad Chassidus has to offer What it means to have a real relationship with Chabad Chassidic teachings And as I said it has nothing to do with being a Lubavitcher Chassid You don't have to get a crinkled hat You don't even have to get a, you don't even have to get a black hat You don't have to have a beard Chabad Chassidus is for everyone And that's what I'd like to share with you tonight in my life I decided to go, you know, the whole nine yards. <coughs> it was interesting, I, I, I've often, often asked, you know, I also became Chabad Chassid after Gimel Tamas, a couple of years after the Rebbe passed away. And I'm not saying that that was an easy decision, but again, and here I'm talking very personally, on a personal level, you know, on a subjective level, that what, in my life, what I saw that Chabad Chassidus has to offer was something that I couldn't find anywhere else. And as I said, you know, it took time till I was able to really comprehend that Derech, that way of what Chabad is about. But then that's what I'd like to share with you, what it is I comprehended, that I felt in my life that it was worth going the whole nine yards for. Not that everyone does, but to at least be able to have a taste of what Chabad is really about, in honor of Yitzchakissle. But I want to begin with an anecdote, again about myself. It's a little weird that I'm talking about myself. You could put it in the complaint box afterwards, it's, 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 Whatever. But just one anecdote that I'd like to share with you. When it dawned on me, you know, when I had that epiphany, that ultimate epiphany, when I really understood in a very deep way what Chabad is about and why I need to be Chabad, why I want to live with Chabad see this in a very deep way. And it happened over here in Yerushalayim. It was in Tov Nun Nunches, which is 1998. I was learning over here, and I was learning the Briskir Yeshiva, or mayor Salavechik, Meir Sheshiva, or mayor I don't know how much pride he has in me saying that in this form, even though I'm still very friendly with him, but whatever. And it was a Friday night. Now, in the yeshiva, at that time, I had a friend of mine, I was a munkacher Choset, that was my official uh, uh, um, association, that I was a munkacher Choset the Chassid a Rebbe from New York. And a friend of mine that was running with yeshiva was a Vision Vishnitzer Choset. To this day, he's a vizhnetzah chassid, he lives in Mansi. He is a chassid of the Mansi, the Rebbe from, 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 from Manzi, Mansi. And we, the two of us together, had a problem Friday nights. We were both used to, you know, Friday night by Yatish. And here in Europe, so our Rebbes were both in America. Us, so, where are going to go? Vigatman Pravin. This was Vigatman Praven. Where are we going to, you know, hang out? I wouldn't actually call it hang out. But where are we going to, you know, feel Friday night? I mean, we didn't have our Rebbe's over here. So we would go to different places. I spent, I went a lot to Kretchnev. Anyone here remembers the of he passed away about six years ago. Told us Avim Mitzvah. told us Aaron, Lelev. We went around. This went on for a couple of months after I came to Brisk to hear to Yerushalayim to learn. And then, I'll never forget, there was one Friday night and it's one of those experiences that in my life, I wish everyone knows that you have these experiences that stick out so clearly as if they just happened now. Like you, just, you remember exactly where you were, what you were feeling. We were walking, it was Friday night, we davened by Rameer's house, Rameer Salaveitschik, he lives in Rokhov Chazanovich, right near Moniot Gula. taxis over there, and we're walking down Rokhov Strauss, towards Kikar Shabbos. And he asked me, nu, Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go find this oiris? Where are we going to go seek inspiration? Where are we going to go to look for inspiration for tonight? Where's tonight's inspiration going to come from? Where are we going to go? And all of a sudden it hit me like a, like a lightning flash, like a thunderbolt at dawn. I was in the middle at that time in my apartment. My apartment was then on Rehov Malchi Yisrael on top of Uri's pizza. And I was in the middle of learning Perik Lamed Aleph of Tanya was what I was up to And all of a sudden I realized Like so completely and so deeply That if I want to feel God In a really deep Really profound Really palpable way The best thing would be not to go anywhere The best thing would be to go to my apartment Sit down with my Tanya And go back into Tanya in other words, I realized that the ability that Chabad Chassidus gives is to come to a place, to a situation, where to the greatest inspiration, the deepest feeling of God, you don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to find things. You don't need to make trips. You don't need to seek inspiration, you know, as in the 60s, looking for love in all the wrong places. And people spend their lives, they get hooked on, you know, this drug called inspiration constantly searching for inspiration, looking for inspiration, going here, going there. I realized at that point it hit me that to be able to go to my apartment, sit with the Tanya, close my eyes, and feel God in the most imminent, piercing way, that's what Chasidus is about. And that's, the, that's what it means, the ultimate penimius, the ultimate inner relationship with God. To be able to close your eyes and feel God within yourself by using meditation, by using your mind, by being able to focus on ideas from chsidis, that's what chsidis is all about, and that's the ultimate revelation of mashikh is all about. Mashikh is going to be, the ultimate redemption is going to be that you don't have to go someplace else. God is within, and to be able to feel that in a very deep way. And of course, the more chsidis a person learns, and the more you meditate, and the more you internalize, the more that it's felt. So I want to share with you tonight an example. An example of a meditation that's going to allow us to give an example to show what it means to truly walk with God. To have God within you in a way that you could feel. Now you all know, interesting, Yutis Kislev, The first one that referred to it as a Rosh Hashanah, a new year, was the Rebbe Roshab. The famous letter that he wrote in 1902, it's printed at the beginning of HaYom Yom. -Yom. In that famous letter, the Rebbe Hashab writes, that Yutis Kislev this day is the Rosh Hashanah of the the new year of Chassidus. And from that time it was known, from 1902, it was known as the Rosh Hashanah of the The Rebbe Hashab revealed that it's the Rosh Hashanah of the very interesting, our Rebbe, the Rebbe, in Tafshin Nun 1990, made a very interesting clarification. He said interesting things. Simply, the way we understood, the way it's a simple way of understanding what does the Rebbe shab mean? <coughs> that test Kislev is Rosh Hashanah Fakhsidas. So you all know that there's a mission in Rosh Hashanah, first mission in Maseches Rosh Hashanah, and tractate Rosh Hashanah in the Gemara, in the Talmud. The Mishnah says that there are four Rosh Hashanahs. There's the Rosh Hashanah for trees, the New Year for trees, the New Year for Meiser Behemah, for tithing the animals, the New Year for kings. There are a lot of different Rosh Hashanahs for particular things. Different things, in and specific things, each one has its own Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, for for for, uh, for, 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 your rakes, for vegetables, for, for fruits, each one has its own Rosh Hashanah. So simply we might understand that the Rebbe Rosh is adding another one. He's saying another thing. <clears throat> there's another one, a fifth one. There's a Rosh Hashanah for Another particular thing, just like there's a Rosh Hashanah for trees and a New Year for animal uh, tithing. There's a New Year for The Rebbe revealed that that's not the case. Not only is they've not just a Rosh Hashanah, another Rosh Hashanah, Yutas Kislev is the Pneumius of the Rosh Hashanah of Aleph Tishrei. Yutis Kislev is the complete fulfillment of what we began on Aleph Tishrei. The process that Jews do, what we do on the first of Tishrei, what that Rosh Hashanah, the regular Rosh Hashanah that we know about, the ultimate Rosh Hashanah of Aleph Tishrei, what we begin doing that day, reaches a completion and fruition on the 19th of Kislev, meaning through Chasidus that was revealed on that day. Chasidus is what allows what we do in Rosh Hashanah of Aleph Tishrei to be complete. What does that mean? What is the Rosh Hashanah of Aleph Tishrei? What's it all about? The Rosh Hashanah of Aleph Tishrei is Reign over the entire world, we scream out to God for 48 hours rule, reign over, become a king over the whole world with your glory. (inaudible) Coronating God, making Him king over the entire world with His glory. Says the Rebbe, How do you make God over How do you literally over the entire world, every detail of the world, make God king? Every single detail of the world. Your mundane life, your spiritual life, your house, every room in your house, in your office, everything, every detail that you see. If you see a tree and you haven't coronated God there, you have not made him king of the world, then the process of Rosh Hashanah has not been complete. You have not made him... What allows a Jew to be able to coronate God? To make God over king over every detail in his life? You know, the Rebbe Roshab, when he had his house in Rostov, when he moved to Rostov in Russia, so the room that he was in had very small tiles. This room that was sitting over here has bigger tiles. Very small, little, little teeny tiles. The Rebbe Roshab says, I'm not leaving this room until I make God king over every single tile. I don't remember the word needed, but yehda bezunder. Every tile by itself you have to coronate God. What allows a Jew to be able to feel how God is king over every single detail? That's chasidus. That's the revelation of the teachings of the Baal Shemtuch and his students and his students' students. And that's why, listen carefully, that's why Rabbi Isaac Hamler, Rabbi Isaac Hamler was one of the big chasidim of the Altar Reb, of the Balatan. And Rabbi Isaac Hamler would scream for the whole 24 hours of Kislev. He would say over and over again one thing. Lashema Yeshua. Lashemah Yeshua. Lashemah Yeshua. L'ashema Yeshua. What does it mean, Lashem Yeshua? So literally we say Lashemah Yeshua Al-Amcha selah. Uh, t- God has salvation. Yeah, Lashema Yeshua." salvation is God's. He brings salvation to his nation. But literally, in Hebrew, what do the words Lashema Yeshua mean? Literally? That God had a salvation. That God had a salvation. Lashemah Yeshua. And he would say though 24 hours, Yutas slave. Lashem Yeshua. God had a salvation. Not to think that Ezra Hamallah would explain, you might think that the Alter Rebbe had a salvation, that we know that the Alter Rebbe was in jail. And the 19th of Kislev was the day that he was released from his prison, he was let out of jail, the Alter Rebbe had a salvation. Says so the, the Rev. Izer Hamler said, no, the Alter Rebbe had everything he needed when he was in jail. He had everything he needed physically, he didn't need, you know, he wasn't missing a steak, you know, a barbecue, a couch. He had everything he needed. He had the Baal and the Maggit in the cell with him He had everything needed spiritually. To the extent that the previous Rebbe writes in the Kut Diburam that when the Alt-Rebbe wanted Shabbos clothes, when it came Shabbos, the Alt-Rebbe took a couple of the threads of his shirt and made Shabbos clothes, whatever that means. That would be cool. I don't know how to do that. I that would be really interesting. So he had everything he needed. The Alt wasn't missing anything. You know who was led out of jail in Yudas Kislev? God. God had a salvation. God was in a jail until the 19th of Kislev. He was in an incarceration. He was in a jail of transcendence. He was in a jail of being supernal. He was in a jail of being untouchable. He was way up in the wild blue yonder. He wasn't king. Al Jews weren't able to feel within their own lives, within their own havens, within their own personal bodies, that God is king in every single detail of whatever you do. Hashem was an incarceration. Hashem was some transcendent being aloof, ethereal, out there, untouchable. So Rabbi al Hamalur says, Yutis Kissiviz La Shema Yeshua. God had a salvation. And that ties into also a very interesting var from the Tzemaq One of those ideas that if the Tzemaq wouldn't have said it, we wouldn't be able to say such a thing. The Tzemaq says, there were three holidays that the Jewish people, when the Schadish that were given, that were given to the Jewish people, and three new holidays the Jewish people got in Golus, in exile. There are the holidays that are, in, that are written in Chumsh, that are in Torah. But there are three holidays that were Neschedish that were given anew in exile: Chanukah, Purim, and Yutiskislev. That's the three holidays the Jewish people got, the three Yomim Tovim the Jewish people got in Goyos: Chanukah, Purim, and Yutiskislev. And it says that Zemar Tzedek, an incredible thing. You all know what the Zoyhar says: the Tlas, Kosh and Yisrael le, reise, ve, kuchu, There are three knots. Three things that are tied together and are essentially one the Jewish people, Torah, and God. Yisrael, Arai, a Kutshebrichu. The Jewish people, Torah, and God are three things that are tied together and are really one. So the Tzamak corresponding to those three things, are the three salvations of these three things, are the three Yomim Toivim, the three holidays that we got in Gulus. Meaning what? Purim. There was a decree A decree to decimate the Jewish people The bodies of the Jewish people Men, women, children, adults In one day That was the decree Purim is the salvation the Jewish people were saved Chanukah What did the Greeks, what did the Hellenists want? There was a decree against Torah They weren't again They were not want to kill our bodies The Torah was, the Torah was in danger Chanukah is a celebration of the saving of the Torah. So it's a machzedek, you the decree was against God. You slave. those that tried to bring about the destruction of Chassidus, what they want, they believed in Torah, they believed in the Jewish people, they believed in God, but they didn't want to let God out of his prison. Now I want to say something very important. It's very hard today for us to appreciate the sociological revolution of chassidus because today baruch hashem thank god the ideas of chassidus the spirit of chassidus has so penetrated the jewish people so completely so permeates orthodox judaism the ideas of chassidus maybe not the theology the philosophy of chassidus but the, the warmth and the joy today when you look at shuls all orthodox shuls and even those yeshivas that call themselves you know chasidically challenged you know, it comes of Litvish or whatever. By the way, it would be an interesting thing if anyone wants to write an academic thesis to write about so the sociological change how yeshivas today. I'm not going to get enough time to get into it, but whether it's speaking about singing by davening, or you're speaking about the joy in the dancing, and you're speaking about Pasha, What today in yeshivas and litvish yeshivas are called machshava? Right, you have classes in machshava or hashkafa. That didn't exist 150 years ago. That all comes... God as a subject comes from chasidus. And therefore the Tzamach says that before Yitzhak when there was a Tkrigan, these people didn't want that God should be an issue. That he should be a topic of discussion among everyone. That God should be something that we talk about like we talk about, you know, what happened yesterday at, the, you know, at work. God wasn't a vital part of all Jews' lives. And therefore Yitzhak Kislev as was saved. The salvation was God. God was allowed to be shined into our lives. And therefore, what I want to share with you tonight, I want to learn with you an idea, and I'm giving you a warning, a deep idea, a very deep idea. I hope I'll do my part to explain it well. I'll try as best as I can. And you do your part in concentrating. It's a very deep idea. But I want to share with you an idea, a deep idea that will give, that's a perfect example of a meditation of an idea from Chassidus that is supposed to change the way you view the world. That's supposed to allow you to make God a palpable, imminent, vital, exciting part of every single detail of your daily life. And this idea that I want to learn with you tonight is actually... um, based on idea that the Rebbe it's in the, the the And the idea is it's actually the Rebbe pointing out an idea based on Shah Ychud Vemun. You all know that in Tanya, the, the book of Tanya which is the main, the Magnum opus, the main book of the Alter Rebbe, so in Tanya you could almost say the focus or the main part of Tanya is Shara Vemun, the gate of unity, the gate that describes the unity of God. You know that the Altar Rebbe was thinking, even though right now it's in Tanya, it's the second part of Tanya, but really the or- and the first part of Tanya, likute Amaram, the first 53 chapters, are more what's called Maise B'Poyal, actually doing Torah Mitzvahs, loving and fearing Hashem. It's more the pragmatic part of, of Chassidus. The second part, Shara Yichud, is the theological understanding of God's unity. Now we all know what's the order, what should the order be, as we say every day in Aleinu, twice, thrice, three times a day, Adata hayom, and then V'ashavei vecha. You first know, and then you bring it down into your heart, and thereafter the rest of your organs of the body. So the Altar the thought of putting Sha'ar Yuchud first, to the extent that in the introduction to Sha'ar Yuchud, in Chinuch the page right before, he leaves over there, he writes twice in a way that Shar HaYuchud is the first part of Tanya. For whatever reason, he puts Shar HaYuchud second because the Maisa, the Maisa or Iker, and the most important thing is Maisa B'Poil, but it's important to know that Shara HaYuchud, the focus of Chabad Chassidus, the main idea is what's conveyed in Shara HaYuchud, the of God's unity. And what's interesting, we're going to learn tonight, the Rebbe points out, that in Sha'ar HaYuchud Ve'emunah, in the Gate of Unity, there are two times that the Alter Rebbe brings a teaching from the Baal Shem Tev. One he mentions his name, one he doesn't, but there are two main teachings, and the Rebbe goes so far as to say, that you could say that they are the two main teachings of the Baal Shem Tev. In all of the teachings that the Baal Shem Tev taught, in all of the theology, the philosophy of the Baal Shem Tev, there are two main ideas from the Baal Shem Tev. Everything else is just explaining these two ideas. And they're found in Perak Aleph of Shara Yuchud and Perak Zayn of Shara Yuchud. And what's interesting is how the Rebbe points out that these two ideas from the Bal that are brought in chapter 1 and chapter 7 of Shara Yuchud are actually two sides of the same coin. They're two ideas that really we have to fit together that bring about one idea. So our. Goal for tonight, we're, we're, our game plan now is to understand first the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov in chapter 1 in Perik Aleph, that main teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. We're then going to learn the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov from chapter 7, from Perik Zion of Shari Vemuna, that idea of the Baal Shem Tov. And then number 3, Understand how they fit together, how they're essentially conveying the one idea, which is the idea of the ultimate unity of Hashem in its totality. And then number four, we'll see how it has to do with, you know, the tuna fish sandwich that I have for lunch. In Perik Aleph, number one, in chapter one of Shari Yuchud the Alter Rebbe brings the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov of havaya dvar nitzav forever, O oh God, your word stands firm in the heavens. It's a verse in Tehillim, in Psalms, chapter 119. Forever, God, your words stand firm in the heavens. Says the Baal Shem Tov. what does that mean? Which word of God is forever standing firm in the heavens? So Baal Shem Tov taught the following idea. We all know from Genesis chapter 1, how did God create the world? With what? With speech. Ten utterances. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be a sky. And God said, let there be trees. Now, simply when you read Genesis chapter 1, you learn voracious, God spoke and the world came into being. Baruch she'amar ve'hayah ha'aylam. He spoke and the world came into being. How do you understand a simple level? That God said, let there be a sky. And a sky came into being. A sky snapped into being. That's on a simple level. God said, let there be trees. And trees snapped into being. Comes the Baal Shem and He says, no. Forever, O God, Your words stand firm in the heavens. Means that the words that God says, let there be a sky, those words become the sky. The sky is the words of God saying Yihirakia let there be a sky. It's not that God says let there be trees and there are trees. Trees are snapped into existence. The words that God says let there be a tree, each tree is another word of God saying let there be a tree. That word of God is the tree. And that's what the Balshamthav says therefore when did God create the world? 5,772 years ago? No. God is creating the world now, constantly, continuously. Is every word that everything that you see, every detail in creation, is another word of God? Because it's not just the sky, you understand. Every rock, every blade of grass, every ant, every cup, is another word of God. So therefore he's constantly speaking and the words that he says is the creations that we see. They understand that this is a Khirush of the Bal Shemtov because listen carefully, all the books of Kabbalah, all the kabbalistic works before the Bal Shemtov were all discussing levels of God's light, different spiritual planes, different levels of light. They never spoke about the world itself. All the books of Kabbalah, even when Kabbalah spoke about contracted levels of God's light and the descending of worlds, they spoke about spiritual worlds. The Baal Shem Tov was the first one to come. He revealed the idea of what does God's light have to do with the world, the physical world itself, and he said that the physical world is the light of Hashem. In other words, I'll explain a little better. When Kabbalah teaches. That in order to bring about all the different details of reality, God contracted His light to become everything that we see, and all the details that we see. And therefore, it says in Kabbalah that God's light fills the world, mimali kol alman, that His light fills the world. You know what it means that His light fills the world? Look at this cup over here. Well, this cup happens to be empty. But, imagine that this cup was full with water. Imagine that the cup is completely filled with water. Right? Oh. That was perfect timing. <laughs> See that? Imagine Mashiach walked into the room right now. No, well, Night's still young. Imagine this cup is filled with water. Imagine the cup is filled with water. Is it true to say the cup is filled with water? It's not the void, the hollow void that the cup makes is filled with water. The cup itself and the water are two different things. The cup itself has no water in it. The hollow cavern that the cup forms has water in it. The hollow cavern is filled with water. The cup itself has no water in it. The cup and the water are two different things came the Baal Shem Tev and he said that when Kabbalah teaches that the world is filled with God's light, it doesn't mean that the shtender, that this lectern and God's light, that God's light is bringing this lectern to existence, that there's the light of God, and is shining this lectern into existence, or this, you know, uh, uh, iPhone into existence, like a sun is shining light out of itself. And that's the physical comes to existence from the light of Hashem. No. The light of Hashem is what this lectern is. The world, the physical world, is the light of Hashem. And meditate how everything, you go on a beach, a sandy beach, and you see thousands of rocks. Each pebble is right now, God is speaking. What is speaking me? He's bringing that light, tailor-making a light that is bringing this particular pebble into existence and that's what this pebble is. This pebble is another ray of God's light. This pebble is another ray of God's light and so to every single blade of grass. You understand what does, it mean? what does it mean when we say God's speech? Every rock is another word of God. Let's, let's understand what that means. What does it mean everything is a word of God? Every rock, every cup, every one of us is another word of God. God doesn't have a mouth. He doesn't speak. What does it mean that he speaks? What does it mean that it's a word of God? It's obviously a muscle. It's obviously a parable. What's it trying to convey? So if you picture with your mind, let's understand. When you say a word, you utter a word. Now when you're saying a word, that word that you're saying, is that you? Or is it something other than you? When you're saying a word, is that word you? Is it something other than you? It's a trick question. Because they're both wrong, right? The word that you're saying is nothing other than you. It's not any coming from any place else. It's you. But would you say that the word you're saying is what you are? No. A word that you're saying is what Chasidus calls a hispastus from you, an emanation from you, a light from you. A word is a particular radiation a particular ray emanation from you uh, not radiation radiance a particular radiance a particular ray an emanation coming from you and every word you say is another light from you that you're shining out a particular word so the word is not you but it's a light from you it's an emanation from you and each word that you say is another emanation of what you are says the balshemtov Genesis chapter 1 is teaching us that every detail of the world that you see, that you look at, is another Word of God. What does it mean, a Word of God? It means that He contracts His infinite light, puts that light through millions and millions of contractions and concealments, until finally every detail that you see is another Word of God, meaning another particular emanation of His light. And scientists say that there are no two snowflakes that are exactly the same, that means that each snowflake is another emanation of his light. And not only every detail that you see in the world is coming from God, but every detail you see in the world is a way that his light is manifesting. When you see over here the color red and over here the color black, it means that God's light over here has become black and God's light over here has become red. That's chapter 1 of Shar HaYichud. The idea, and I want to make this clear again, there are many people that make a mistake... There are many people that misunderstand the message of chapter 1. I've seen many times people say and people write that chapter 1 is the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov that God is continuously creating the world. That's not the Baal Shem Tov's Chiddush. That we say in davening every day. He renews every day the work of the creation. That's not what the Baal Shem Tov is saying. He's not just going to say that God is constantly creating the world. Listen. The Baal Shem Tev is using the idea of constant creation to show how every detail of the world is the light of Hashem. He's using the idea of the constant c- continuous creation to explain that therefore you understand since God has to be bringing the world into existence every moment and every detail, every nook and cranny of the world is every moment an emanation of God's light. Therefore, what is every detail of the world? It is the tailor-made light of God that's bringing this particular detail into existence. That's Shari'chad Vamuna. that's chapter 1. Now let's go to chapter 7, step 2. In chapter 7, the Alter Rebbe introduces another idea of the Baal And probably you could say the most radical idea of the Baal Shem Tov, the one that those that were opposed to Chassidus, that movement that once, that once existed, that once was known as the Mesnagdim, those that once upon a time there was such a thing as those Jews that were opposed to Chassidus. This is the idea that aroused their ire the most. This is the idea that they had the biggest theological issue with. And that's the idea of Tzimtzum Loi Kipshutai. The Baal Shem Tov taught the idea which means the contraction is not literal. Now if you haven't been concentrating until now, now you really have to concentrate. But more than concentrate, you have to really picture this with your mind. You need to really use your... not just It's not just cognitive, it's not just getting information, it's being able to have a picture in your mind, as I said before. By the way, Maimonides already wrote in his introduction to is the words that the Rambam writes is that one has to picture God's unity. That's what the Rambam says those words. You have to picture, form a picture in your mind of God's unity. So listen. The Bal Shemtiv in chapter 7 Shaykhu Da'at Rebbe brings the teaching of the Bal Shemtiv called Simsim Loikipshute. The contraction is not literal. What does that mean? So listen. More listen, more than listen, picture this. The Arizal the Arizal, who was the one that revealed Kabbalah, the father of Kabbalah, in all the books of the Arizal's teaching begins the following way. Says the Arizal, In the beginning, In the beginning, the Arizal says there was God's infinite light, And when there's a revelation of God's infinite light, there's no place, there's no possibility for finite separate beings to exist. (laughs) There was a revelation of God's infinite light and there was no place, no possibility of anything other than God being existing. So the Arizal says, the first step in the creative process was tzimtzum in order to make place, in order to make the possibility for finitude, for something, a creation to exist, the first thing he had to do was tzimtzum. And he draws the following picture. This is the picture that appears in Eitz Chaim, in the works of Kabbalah. Now obviously, the shapes that we're gonna talk about are also a mussel. We don't have time to explain what they mean, but just let's get the idea. There is also, like, if you can imagine, there's the infinite light of Hashem, no place for worlds to exist, so God did simtsum. The words that Rizal says, and I'm quoting, Tsimtsem vsi lake oire ha stodim, venasa halalumokum ponui minhaor. Which means, He made, He contracted and removed the words that Rizal says, Sea lake. He removed His infinite light to the sides and made a circle. That is, chalalu Makum panui, void, empty of any light of Hashem. Again, there was orange soft, the infinite light of Hashem, that's a square. And then in the middle, within, in the middle of his infinite light, he made a circle. And the, Arizal, the words that the Arizal says that he removed, he contracted, the Rizal says removed, sea lake. He removed his infinite light from the circle and made a void, empty of light. He removed his infinite light and made a halal, um, a void, empty of any light. That was the first step. That's called simtsum. That he removed his light and made a halal, a void, empty of any light. Now, at this point now, where we have this circle, this place, so to speak, quote-unquote, where there's no light of God. Now could worlds exist? Well, now you have no light of God. So, also worlds can't exist. You'll forgive my saying so, but the light of God is like women. You can't live with them, you can't live without them. Right? With God's light you can't manage, without God's light you can't manage. Probably women say the same thing about men. Yeah, can't live with them, can't without them. So, with God's light revealed, it can't be worlds. But now there's a void without any light of God. Also worlds, nothing could exist without the light of God. So, what God then did is that He reintroduced into that halal, into that void, a thin, fine ray of light like a hair. He took, if you can imagine taking one drop from the ocean, he took one drop of his light, from his infinite light, that, a drop of his light, a thin, fine ray like a hair, and that ray of light called the Kav, that light goes down and becomes all the worlds till finally our physical world. Now. According to this picture that we now have in our mind, that you all should be having in your mind, of this void of no light, God's no infinite light of Hashem, and then I'm reintroducing just a ray, a hair of His light that becomes all the worlds. So where is God's essence? Outside of us, above us. To the extent that there's a safer of Kabbalah, After that, Rizal that understood that Rizal's teaching as we just presented it, and he gave the following parable. He said, "God is watching the world, like a king sitting up in his palace in his ivory tower, looking out his window at a garbage dump." That's this based on just the way we understand that Arizal, if we understand the Arizal, kipshutoy, literally, that God removed his infinite light, and he just gives over a little drop of his light, his infinite light is outside the world's, he's like a king in his tower looking at a garbage dump. Came the holy Baal and he taught, tsimtsum loy that Contraction, removal of light, when the Arizal said simtsum, he didn't mean it literally. The Baal Shem Tov came and revealed the following, and again, now get that picture back in your mind. The words that Arizal said is that there was the infinite light, and then he did simtsum, he removed, he contracted his light, and made a void without any light. And now there's an empty space with no light into which he reintroduced that thin ray of light, says the Baal Shem Tov. When the Ari, when the Arizal wrote that he removed his light from that void, not literal. He didn't mean it literally. He didn't really remove it. He just concealed his infinite light. He didn't remove it from that void. It's not really a void. God's infinite light shines in the place of the the void, after the contraction just like before the contraction he didn't really remove his infinite light from that void rather he concealed it he made it not felt but the, so why does that result say that he removed it why does that result say he removed it the Baal Shem Tov because the concealment is so radical so definitive so complete that it's as if it's not here it's so completely not felt it might as well not be here but it is here. So now if you picture that in your mind, so where is the infinite light of God? Right here in this room where we're sitting. Right here is the infinite essence of God. And the way the Rebbe writes it, and the Rebbe has a letter he writes it, he writes like this. You know what that means? If you think, if you're a thinking person that could think for more than 20 seconds, Try to picture what you would feel like if you were on the Mount Sinai, on the peak of the mountain, the moment that Moses was receiving the tablets in his hand. Imagine you were standing right there, when God was giving Moses the tablets into his hand. Imagine you were sitting in the garden where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was revealing the deeper secrets of the Zohar. You were sitting right there in the garden with them. Imagine you're standing in the Holy of Holies itself. Came the Baal Shem Tev and he revealed that the exact same revelation, the same power, the same amount of God's essence that are in the Holy of Holies, that was on Mount Sinai at that moment of revelation, that was in the garden with Rabbi Shema Yochai, is right here, right now, no matter where you are. <coughs> We're within the infinite light of Hashem. <coughs> now, That's chapter 7, simtzum Lake Shutai. Now comes the Rebbe and he says an unbelievable thing. Listen to this. These are the type of things that you need to start getting used to thinking about as you're walking down the street, you know, as you're eating a tuna fish sandwich. Listen. <clears throat> the Rebbe explains that these two ideas, the balshemtiv, of that every detail of the world is a contracted light of God, that the chayus, the vitality of every detail, the details of everything, the color, the texture of everything, is the light of God. Chapter 1. And chapter 7, Simtsum loykepshute, that when the Arizal says that God contracted or moved his infinite light, it's not literal. These are two sides of the same coin, the coin known as Einoid Melvaday, the true unity of God, that only God exists. To truly be able to perceive, how only God exists, how the world itself is one with God, you need these two ideas. Why? Did you notice that these two ideas that we learned from the Baal Shem Tov are saying two opposite ideas? Are, two, are stressing two opposite things about God? Did you notice? Chapter 1 is stressing the descent of God's light how much God's light goes down to become the details of everything that we see in the world. Chapter 7 is stressing the presence of God's infinite light, His transcendent light, His infinite essential light. Because in order to truly be able to have a vision and a perception of how the world is one with God, you need these two opposite ideas. Why? Because in order to understand, uh, I'll say it first in Hebrew. The way the, the way the Rebbe says in Hebrew, the dargas habittel you need God's transcendence. The kirov of the bittel, you needs God's imminence. Which means, to understand how radically nullified we are, to understand how completely nullified we are to God, you need to think of God's You need God's transcendent light. But to make that part of us, you need to understand the idea of chapter one: how God's light is what we are. Meaning what? So, what would happen if we just had the idea of chapter one of Tanya? If we of Sharh, Yichud? If we just had the idea from chapter one that each one of us is a contracted ray of God's light, every detail of the world is a contracted ray of God's light. So, what would we be feeling? We'd be feeling that we and everything around us is, an, is on a respirator. Right? We're we're intubated. We're in a respirator where God's light is continuously not just allowing us to breathe but is bringing us to existence and that is what we are. We would all feel how we are a light of God. But would we feel completely insignificant to God? No. It's not that the world wouldn't have significance. The opposite. God's light is contracting itself to become the details of the world. His light is His light is allowing for there to be an existence. His light is the existence of the world. Without a nation, there's no king. And the people of the nation feel that all they are are subjects to the king. Vis-a-vis the king, does the nation not exist? Of course they exist. If they didn't exist, the king wouldn't be a king. If God is contracting his light to become the details of the world, the world exists. Only what? The world is the light of Hashem what would happen if, let's say, I only learned chapter 7 of Sharech HaVemunah? I only had the idea of like Le'Kabshutei. I feel that I'm standing within the infinite light of Hashem. I, if you meditate on that for more than a minute straight, you completely lose yourself. You're standing before, within the infinite light of God. Imagine standing right face to face with a king, face to face with a Rebbe, with a tzaddik. You lose yourself. You melt away. Complete pittal. You lose your reality. But, if you only have that idea, listen carefully, you're losing your reality, your metzius. But your metzius is not God. When you stand before the king, and you lose yourself, have you then said that you've become the king? No. You and the king are two different things. It's just that when you're standing in front of the king, his presence, the atzadik, his presence is so domineering, so complete, so completely awesome, that you lose yourself. But the second when you walk out from the king, you exist again. You and the king, even when you're standing in front of him and lose yourself, you're something other than the king. You lose your mitsiyas, you lose what you are. But what you are is not the king. Says the Rebbe, put the two ideas together. Simsum loike p'shutay means there's God's infinite light. And we're saying the Baal Shem said He didn't remove His infinite light from the void. You know what that means? He didn't remove it. It means that when, the, when Kabbalah teaches that He then brings about a finite revelation of light that becomes the world, He didn't remove His infinite light. You know what that means? That finitude and infinity are all Him. Finitude is a continuation of His infinite light. You see, when you picture in your mind God's infinite light, if you're picturing something big, you're having the wrong picture. If when you think of God's infinite light, you're thinking of endless, expanse universe, that's not what Orin Sof means. Orin Sof is not big. Orange Sof is beyond definitions of big and small, or finite and infinite. Orin Sof means the revelation of everything that God is and that He could do. Within that revelation, you have infinity and finitude, and they're both exactly Him the same way. Tsimtsum lo'i means that when the Baal Shem taught in chapter 1 of Shara Yichud, listen carefully, that every detail of the world is another way that His finite light is manifesting, that finite manifestation of God's light that becomes this blade of grass is a continuation of our Ein Is a continuation of His infinite light. Havaya <inaudible> hu His infinite light now becomes finitude. So, Chapter Seven, which is God's infinite light that's here, is one with that light that we learned about in Chapter One. That His infinite light is within the place of what you are. Your being, chapter 1 teaches that, what are you? You are God's contracted light. And chapter 7 says that that contracted light is a continuation of His infinite light. Simsam leikipshutah means He didn't remove His infinite light and then bring about a finite, contracted, tailor-made light that became every leaf and every blade of grass. No! He made His infinite light now manifest as all the details that you see in the world, or in the words that Tanya says in Paragzion, His infinite essence is found within time and space. Within the finitude, within every detail and every molecule of everything you see in the world, that's all a continuation of His infinite light. So you're not just standing before the king, you're standing within the king. You are a contracted light of the king. And that contracted light is within His infinite light, like the ray of the sun when it's still in the sun. Or the way your Pil Paracher wrote, Pil Paracher, one of the main chassidim of the secondary, of the Mittler Rebbe, writes, that when Shulchan Aruch says in the very beginning, the very first sentence of Shulchan Aruch, I place God before me at all times. And the Shulchan Aruch writes, quoting the Rambam, you always, a Jew has to live life with the constant awareness that all of life is forever lived in the presence of God. And the Shulchanuch says the following words. You always have to see yourself standing before the king. Oymid lefnei amelech says the that's al That's according to the revealed aspect of Torah. Apich, see this, you're not standing before the king. You are within the king. You are within the king. You are another way that his infinite light is manifesting. And therefore you are within his infinite light, like the ray of the sun within the sun. And his infinite light becomes every detail that you are. Every detail that you see, every color that you see, every beautiful, grand, majestic thing you see in the world, is another way his infinite light is shining. That's the salvation of God, living with that idea living with an idea like that, if you get that idea, now, now here I need to say something. A couple of weeks ago, a girl from a, a young lady, she's not here this evening, but right over here, a young lady came outside, a couple of weeks ago, after one of the shiurim, and she says to me, she says, Rabbi Braun, I got to tell you something. When you speak, I love it. I, I, you know, I lick my fingers, t- delicious, unbelievable. And Mamas feel five minutes when you're done, five minutes later, Forget everything. The whole picture goes out of my head. So my response was, what I'm teaching you tonight, it also took me a little more than an hour to get. (laughs) A lot more than an hour. A lot of times hearing Rabbi Khan explain it, and thinking about it again and again, these ideas, this isn't, you know, we're not learning here information, chesidus is not information, chesidus is a perspective and reality. And just so recently, somebody wrote a beautiful sentence, your perspective is your reality. See, this is a new type of reality, a new perspective. So these ideas that we learned tonight, you have to learn a couple of times, think about again and again, and meditate on. And that's when you're able to feel that reign over the entire world, everything in the world, with your glory. If you go down the street, every detail that you see, to be able to meditate, how orange sof contracts itself to become this detail, but simtzum lo'i kipshutai, so it's not that there's less orange sof, orange sof is lamata Bismanu Mokum. orange sof is now within this finite thing, this finite detail is a way that God's infinite light is revealing itself. You've made God king over every single detail that you see in the world. That's see this, that's making God, that's the, God, the salvation of God. That's bringing God into everything, to being aware of God in every single detail of reality. I want to finish with a story. A story that the previous Rebbe, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe, the Rebbe Ayatz, he writes an interesting story. He was one time sitting, he writes, when he was a young boy, and his father, the Rebbe Rashab, was still Rebbe, he was sitting with <coughs> a very dear friend of the Rebbe Shab, the Paltover Rav. Rabbi Yaakov Moradchai, the, the Rav of Paltova. who when they were younger, him and the Rebbe Rashab were Chavrusas, they were friends. And the previous Rebbe was a young boy, much younger, and the Paltover Rav was telling the previous Rebbe, it wasn't the previous Rebbe, at the, it was a young boy, he was telling him memories he had of Chassidim, a big Chassidim. And the Potovarov was saying to the Friduqa Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, that he heard an idea from a Gershon Bear. The Gershon Bear, Parhar, was one of the big Chassidim of the Tzamaht Tzedek and the Rebbe Marash, one of the older Chassidim, one of the big Chassidim. And the Potovarov was saying, they were actually, I forgot to mention, the Friduqa Rebbe says they were sitting on a gazebo, on a veranda, a gazebo, on a summer day, the previous Rebbe is very... Uh, that beautifully illustrates. He was sitting in a gazebo on a summer day and he was telling him memories of Hasidim and he told him an idea that he heard from Abgershon Bear. Abgershon Bear said the following idea. Nozopotovarov heard this from Abgershon Bear. Abgershon Bear taught the following. You all know what it says in the books of philosophy, Sifr HaKira, the Jewish books of philosophy, Sefer Ikrim specifically, that the philosophers say the following sentence. <laughs> If I would know him, I would be him. And that's the philosopher's way of, so to speak, apologizing that you can't understand God. How could you understand God? If you would understand him, if you would know him, you would be him. Ilu yedaitiv hayisiv. If I would know him, I would be him. It says Gershom Gershomber, that's before chsidis. With chsidis, yedaitiv <speaking in> hayisiv. <Hebrew> With Chassidus, you could know him and thereby become him. That's what Gershon Behr said. Yedaitiv hayisiv, know him and thereby become him. Poltovarov says that the previous Rebbe. And then he said, he continued, and he said to this young boy, to the previous Rebbe, he says, that's what Gershon Behr said. But something like that only applies to someone like Gershon Bear. That's what the Paltavarov said. And he and he said, a Jew like a chassid like Reb Gershon Bear, he could say such a thing about himself of Yedaita of to know him and become him. And the Paltavarub explained, he said, the, the, the Gershon Bear, that by him a his amkus and his by him a six-hour meditation period. A six hour deeply meditating an idea passed for him like the blink of an eye. Like for us how easy it is to blink an eye. That's how B'Gershen Bear for six hours to meditate straight. For six hours to deeply meditate was like a blink of an eye. And someone like B'Gershen Bear that worked on himself for 30 years davening six hours a day. And he was crowned with blessings from the Rebbeim. He could say Yedaitif Hayisiv. I know him and I become him. That's what he said to the previous Rebbe. That minute the Rebbe of walked over. All of a sudden the Rebbe of came into the gazebo and he sees the Patovarov sitting with the feet of the and he says to them, "No, what are you talking about? So the Patovarov said, I just told your son, Rebbe Gershember said, I know him and I become him and that the only Jew like Rebbe Gershember could say something like that. The Rebbe of closed his eyes, went into a state of dvekus. And when he opened his eyes, he said, You're wrong. It's not just for Gershon Every Jewish man and every Jewish woman, if you're able for even a brief moment to be able to close your eyes, to be able to think an idea of chesidus in a way that your whole being is included within the idea, that your very being is completely captured by the idea. You know, it's like the Rebbe said, a mikvah, the shear, the amount for mikvah to be kosher is 40 sa. But that amount is not like other shir, not like other amounts. Other amounts in Torah, kazais, revias, you need to have certain measurements. A mikvah, it's not that you have to have 40 sa of water. 40 sa of water is what the Rabbi said is how much water will take to envelop your whole body. But the Rebbe said, theoretically, imagine you could take one drop of water, and spread it out so thin that your whole body would be covered, you would become purified. But you have to be completely enveloped within it. So Rebbe Shahab says, if you have one idea of chassidus, any Jew, that you completely envelop yourself within that idea, you shut off everything else, and you go into this idea completely, for those moments is yadaytiv hayisiv. Every single Jew, you could become God. What doesn't mean become God? And you know, I don't ever get any uh, you know psychological issues and think that you're God and stuff. What does it mean? It means that you at those moments become part of God. That becomes your perspective, it becomes your reality, it becomes who you are. You daytif. And that's the yantiv of Yutas Kislev. That's the redemption of Hasidis, the salvation of God. That a Jew should be able to live in such a way, and this um I want to give everyone a bracha in Anav to Kislev, and everyone a challenge in Anav Kislev. That, for instance, the idea that we spoke about tonight, think about it again, review it again, these two ideas. To walk down the street, to be able to close your eyes and think about this idea. To be able to understand and to feel how everything detail of the world is another continuation of His infinite light. When you live with this idea, you're bringing salvation to God. You're revealing God in everything. You're making a part of every detail of reality, and that's what Mashiach is all about. Mashiach is the revelation of that with our physical eyes. So in honor by the fact that we're going to begin doing that, thinking about this idea, living with these ideas of God, making these ideas of God palpable, we're going to marry with our physical eyes to see Mashiach Taka walking in the door. May we marry